Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Scott, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grombacher. Scott Young is an author, programmer. He's an entrepreneur. He's been featured on TEDx, MIT Open Course, Popular Mechanics, Lifehacker, The New York Times. His newest book, Alter Learning, is available now. I'm excited to have you on. Scott, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. So basically for the last decade or so, I've been obsessed with this question of how to learn things better, not just in school, but how do you get really good at things that matter for your life? And so this is sort of funneled into some projects I've done, which maybe we can get into. I've done uh, some projects such as uh, the MIT Challenge, which was a project to learn MIT's four-year computer science curriculum in 12 months by passing the final exams and doing the programming projects. I did another project with a friend we called The Year Without English, where we traveled around the world going to four different countries to learn four different languages, Spanish, Portuguese, Mandarin, Chinese, and Korean. And I've done other projects like that as well. And that motivation uh, led for the last couple of years, I've been doing research to writing this book, Ultra Learning, where I look at ultra learners, people who take on aggressive self-education projects to get good at cool skills and have really accomplished some pretty amazing feats. And that has been my motivation in life. And, and it's why we're having the conversation right now. Oh, I love it. I think it's very, 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 very cool. And the idea of being able to, is there a certain term that you would use that you were able to absorb four years of MIT curriculum into one year? I don't know that I'd say that you <laughs> crammed it because that would probably be inappropriate. You probably ultra learned it. How 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 do you describe that? Well, there there's definitely yeah. We can we can go. <laughs> there's lots of little methods that we can talk about uh, going into place there. Some of the like sort of more obvious ones that I think uh, people when you tell it to people they're like oh yeah that makes sense but maybe they don't think about it this way but. One of the things that you have to do is sit through classes is what you're doing when you are going to school. And one of the things you can't do when you go to a real school is watch the classes at 1.5 times the speed, which is something you can do with a video or podcast like this. And I know many podcast listeners are used to watching or listening to their podcasts at a slightly faster speed. But that's just one of the many like little time saving tips you can take. And of course, it was an enormous amount of work too, a lot of work over the year and sure. definitely a lot of work to avoid some of the problems you mentioned with uh, cramming. Like one of the things you can do is take multiple classes at the same time so that you're spreading out the learning over a little bit of a longer period of time. But but yeah, yeah, there's lots of these little uh, tips and tactics. Another one that you can do is when you are learning something, if you're doing again in a classroom, you hand in the assignment and then you wait a week or so to get your feedback. Whereas if you're doing it on your own, you can do one question at a time and get feedback immediately so that you can in the middle of assignment, you know, figure out, oh, I was doing this wrong. This is the right way to think about it. Got it. So I think that that just to sort of not change gears, but uh, take sure. sort of a step back, I think that, that one of the most troubling statistics that I'm aware of is that only 15% of people worldwide are really engaged in their work. And that's mm-hmm. a bummer, and it's it's probably a tragedy is, is, is probably a better way to put yeah. it. 
And it's like people, I think a lot of these folks probably spend a ton of time and a ton of money getting educated and not only getting an undergraduate mm-hmm. degree, but getting advanced degrees. And they're just not in a place where they're liking what they do. Um, what are yeah. your just sort of global thoughts on that? Well, I think this is a very common sentiment. And I think, honestly, this has been, if you look at sort of the societal trends, we've seen a couple different trends coming together that make for this kind of recipe that we're having right now of people being dissatisfied with their work and not only dissatisfied with their work, but often being squeezed out of jobs that, you know, you used to be able to be a travel agent, librarian, you know, there were lots of bookkeeping jobs, these kind of jobs, and they're starting to disappear. And so actually, if you look into a lot of the economics of it, um, one of the researchers I studied in the course of the book, MIT economist David Autor, calls this phenomenon skill polarization, where essentially there a lot of the middle class jobs that we've come to kind of expect and rely on are slowly sort of disappearing, getting squeezed out. And I think you mentioned yourself, education can be another thing that more and more people are getting college degrees, but in some ways those college degrees are becoming somewhat less valuable. Whereas you know, you used to be able to get a decent job without college and that college degree was to get a professional job. Now to get a professional job, you need to go through far more school. You need to get your master's. You need to do tons of other things. And tuition prices are getting more and more expensive. So in some ways, I think the antidote to a lot of these problems, the career dissatisfaction, the disappearing middle class jobs, the increasing tuition is to take your own career and your own learning into your own hands and and really build the skills so that you can become invaluable so that you can negotiate exactly the kind of career that you want and to really do something that you love to do even if it's you know something that's a little bit more difficult at first got it well i certainly appreciate all that and as somebody who's essentially dedicated his life to to lots of things but certainly learning one of those what does does what's happening with the education system does it really just grind your gears does it piss you off Well, I think it's unfortunate because I think on the one hand, you have two problems with education. One is that it's becoming increasingly unaffordable, particularly in the United States. And this means that, you know, even if I could say to you, yeah, it's good to go to college. If you look at the statistics, it increases your income. it, it, It makes you a better performing worker. But in the same time, we're looking at this situation and, you know, when your college costs you $50,000, $70,000, $100,000 or more, you know, you start to have to wonder at what price does it no longer become worth it? And I think for a lot of people, if you don't make that choice very carefully, if you choose to major in something that isn't going to substantially increase your income, well, yeah, it might be great. It might expand your mind, but can you really afford it? Can you afford it for the rest of your life? And so these are the crises I think we're facing. So that's the one hand, the cost end. And then on the other hand, there's just the effectiveness angle. So one of the areas of research that I covered in my book um, related to the problem of transfer is that psychologists have known for decades now that what people learn in the classroom they often have a real difficult time applying in real life and so you can look at studies for instance one study I thought just blew my mind Um, in one study economics majors did not do better on questions of economic reasoning than non-economics majors so you spend four years studying this in school and you don't do better on questions that are like explicitly involve reasoning this way and the examples are, are voluminous there's so many situations where we fail to do this so education has really become this kind of twin problem of it's very expensive and so that's making it you know maybe it's not beneficial for me to go back to school to do X 
And then at the same time, you have this situation where in a lot of cases, it's just not teaching the skills that people actually need to thrive. Right. Those are those are problems. <laughs> so at what price does it make sense? What 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 price does it make it worth it? And that's that's a conversation that I think that, yeah. that I, I encourage people to have about all kinds of things. It's like, OK, at mm. at at what cost are you making these decisions? Um, Absolutely. And it's tough. It's tough for a young person. That's a whole nother animal too. It's like, okay, should an 18 year old and the whole thing about student loan forgiveness mm-hmm. and all that, are they in a position yeah. to be making those kinds of decisions? Do you have thoughts on that? I, you know, here's the thing. I think again, it's, it really depends on not only what kind of student you are, but what you're majoring and where you're going into and which school you're going to. So to say you should go to college or you shouldn't go to college, I, I can't answer that. It really depends right. on your situation. But What I really try to do with this book is show that there are so many more options for acquiring real meaningful skills than just going to school. So for some person, it might totally make sense to go to school. Like if you want to become a doctor, like there's no way that you're just going to learn a bunch of medical textbooks and go in there and start practicing medicine. They're not going to let you, right? Mm -hmm. But in the same sense, if you want to, let's say, you know, let's say you got your background and you got a, you know, an anthropology degree you find that, you know what, actually it's not that valuable and you're thinking, well, I'd like to maybe learn the programming, but should I go back to school and study that? Well, this is actually a situation where maybe you can teach yourself enough programming skills to get a reasonable job and do that. And programming is just sort of the in vogue example right now. But I met so many people who learn skills that, you know, you wouldn't even really think about, but those skills are really important. So, you know, one friend that I, I mentioned in the book he uh, he was he studied a little bit of design in school and he was having difficulty getting an architecture job. And he just like, I'm going to learn the architecture software and how to make good blueprints. And it immediately increased his employability. So part of the goal with this book was to show that outside of school, outside of this, you know, really expensive environment, there's so many ways that you can acquire skills that will make you more valuable. And this book is just kind of showing you how to do that. Well, I, I, I love that. And the more you can empower somebody to to take control of their lives or to feel like they're mm-hmm. on that path to control, they're going to become more confident. And it's just Absolutely. going to be a really, really positive thing. Um, is it is is technology to thank for this? Well, I think technology is a double edged sword. So I, I know we're certainly if you follow the news right now, you're, you're getting a lot of things about how. You know, companies are stealing our data. There's fake news that you can't trust what's on social media. And not to mention, we're constantly on our smartphones all the time being Mm -hmm. distracted. So there's certainly a sense that technology may be making our culture a little bit more vapid and dumber. But I think there's also a lot of potential, a lot of ability. Like I mentioned my MIT challenge project that I did. And this was, again, eight years ago, even before a lot of the tools that now exist weren't even around then. Um, That was only possible because MIT is so gracious to put tons of their material online for free. So we really live in this world where. Um, To quote the economist Tyler Cohen where average is over where you can either be in the lowest common denominator and you know Bickering about politics and and getting fake news and and getting distracted by your phone or you can be in this tier of people who are learning really important skills and learning all sorts of things and really uh, becoming you know quite highly educated on their own because all these resources and tools exist out there So I think really the choice is yours of what kind of person you want to be 
Yeah, and that's a, such an interesting thing. It's it's at our fingertips, and <laughs> for better yeah. or for worse. So, how will you use this uh, this 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 newfound power exactly. and technology? And average is over. I think that that is a, a very very powerful statement that I had not heard before. With with adult learning, um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a throwaway term, I think. But I, I know <laughs> that I can just speak for me. Yeah, I was super interested in learning about just my my career um mm-hmm. my my industry for many years and then yeah. for whatever reason at 35 years old i just became fascinated and i found i discovered that youtube had immense value and i just started just mm-hmm. becoming a voracious consumer of information and learning and learning and yeah. learning do you find that that there's certain triggers that would make somebody more interested or are are, are, are we wired a certain way well i think the truth is I think that most people have a natural inclination towards learning. So rather than most people not liking learning, I think what it is is that our environments conspire to make learning frustrating enough that we avoid doing it or that we avoid seeking that out. So if I say to you, you know what, how would you like to speak another language? Well, most people would say yes. Like That sounds like it would sure. be nice or play another instrument well or, you know, get a raise and, and be a high performer at your job. Like most people would want to do these things. The challenge is just that to get to those things it requires some effort and sometimes you know either because of prior experiences that tell us that we will not be successful when we try a learning project or that well everything else that you've tried just fizzled out so you know why bother with this or maybe you weren't good in school like maybe you just convince yourself you're a bad learner because you know when you were in the class maybe you weren't the you were a C student you were in a top performing student so you just convince yourself you know this learning thing I've put that behind me now now I'm going to get working on something else. And so for me, I often find it's a confluence of someone having a motivation that causes them to, you know, like you said, get really interested in your career. But then once you sort of get on this cycle of, oh, you've learned something and you've mastered something and you feel good about it, then very often you you want to try something else and you you want to expand your doors. So one of the kind of really common patterns I saw with these ultra learners that I interviewed who've, who've learned these really impressive things is that they start with something small that they're kind of pushed into because of their environment or circumstances. And then once they have success with that, they often branch out and learn a lot of other things too, because they've kind of cracked the code, so to speak, of how to do learning and how to teach themselves skills so that, you know, well, if I've learned this, I can learn a bunch of other things as well. And so for me, it's it's all about trying to get people to that point where they feel like they can learn lots of different things. I love it. So what is ultra learning? So the way I define ultra learning in the book is that it is a strategy for learning that is both self-directed and aggressive. So self-directed means that Contrary to how you normally think about education where you sit in a classroom and a teacher tells you what to do This is your homework and you do it even though you often don't really know why Self-directed learning is when you're in charge So it is a project that you design you decide what you want to learn how you're going to learn it And you know why you're learning what you're going to learn because it's something that matters to you and aggressive learning is a little bit harder to pin down but essentially there are a lot of different different findings in cognitive psychology which show that sometimes something that's a little bit harder, a little bit more frustrating, maybe even a bit scarier at first, can actually lead to much more effective learning results. So I go over a lot of those in the book, but for for instance, if you want to learn a language and you're teaching yourself, a very common thing to do is just get Duolingo on your phone and play around with this app. But you can play around with Duolingo for months and find that, you know, you 
play around with it in Spanish and then you go to Cancun and you find ah, actually I can't speak Spanish very well <laughs> whereas if you had done something a little bit more frustrating but is a lot more effective which is okay I'm gonna try to have very simple interactions with someone in Spanish so maybe you can find a tutor online or you can talk to a friend who speaks Spanish and even if you're just like typing it into Google Translate and reading it out this will practice the ability to speak in Spanish a little lot faster and you can actually get a lot better at it more quickly. And so this is just one example of language learning, but there's lots of examples where something that's a little bit more challenging is nonetheless a lot more effective and, and I can go for any others if you'd like to. And so ultra learning was a strategy that kind of combines these two elements and it was something that I observed in these people who had taken these just like spectacular uh, projects. So someone like Eric Barone, who mastered all the skills of video game development to launch a best-selling game, made tens of millions of dollars from that. Um, or people like Nigel Richards, who won the French World Scrabble Championship, even though he doesn't speak French. Um, so these nice. are all just examples of people who have taken on these really interesting and ambitious self-education projects that I call them ultra learners. Um, and I think there's a lot that you can apply in their strategy to your own things that you want to learn. Yeah. Well, it certainly sounds like it. Would would you say that this is a guidebook for marshalling all the available resources that we have today? Yeah. I would say that this is a guidebook for anyone who has struggled with learning things in the past or wants to get better at things and wants to know the process behind it, I think this book is a good investment because it sort of outlines the principles that all learning works by. And if you can figure out, oh, okay, well, this is why when I tried to learn this in the past it didn't work because I was kind of violating this principle even though I didn't realize it. Or, you know, I'm doing this and it's all right, but if you make some tweaks and you align it better to these principles, you can get better results. So for me, I, I really wanted to write a book that anyone could just take this book and use this as a roadmap for, uh, you know, teaching themselves any skill that matters to them. Oh, I think that's awesome. Are there a couple Thank principles you. that really stand out? So two of the ones that so that the book has nine principles, but two of the ones that I think are the most uh, counterintuitive are the ones that we often fail to apply. So one of them is directness. And so directness is basically the idea that, as I mentioned with education, that transferring knowledge from one context to another is much more difficult than most people assume. Uh, so most people will say things like, well, you know, you're just sort of improving your general ability to, you know, learn when you do X. And so that'll help you with all sorts of things. But it turns out if you follow the research that what we do when we're learning is that we tend to learn things in quite a specific way. And so the reason the economics majors couldn't transfer their economic knowledge is that you ask them a different kind of question and they often don't know to activate those patterns that they learned in school. And so one of the ways you can avoid that is with what I call directness, which is that from the very start when you start learning something, you should ask yourself, how am I going to use this? And when you ask yourself, how am I going to use this? You can tailor your environment so you do a little bit of practice in the kinds of situations that you're going to be facing from the very beginning. And this prevents your project from kind of getting derailed so that you spend a lot of time reading a lot of books, doing a lot of research, and then find out, well, wait, wait a minute, I'm not actually using any of these skills or you don't know how to. So that would be one of the principles that I find that a lot of people make missteps on in their uh, own self-education or learning projects. Another one is retrieval. So for this principle, I, I thought there was a really fascinating study done by Jeffrey Karpicki and Janelle Blunt. And what they did is they split subjects into multiple groups. One of the groups they got to do repeated review, which means that they had a 
text, some sort of essay or something, and they just read over it again and again and again. This is very common. This is a studying approach many students use is just read over their notes again and again before the exam. Sounds familiar. The other group, <laughs> yeah, the other group they asked to do free recall, which means after they read it once, they shut the book and then they tried on either a blank piece of paper or out loud, tried to recall as much as what they could remember from the text. So they weren't reviewing it again. They didn't look at it a second time. They just try to remember it from their head. And the interesting thing about this study is that they asked the participants, how well do you think you learned the information? So from your own personal assessment, how well do you know it? And the people who did repeated reviews said, I learned this the best. So they thought that they learned it really well. The people who did free recall were like, mm, I don't know. I don't think I've learned it that well yet. Interestingly enough, if you test them after, it's the opposite. Hmm. The people who do free recall do much better than those who do repeated review. So this idea of retrieval is that if you want to learn things and actually have it in your memory, you need to practice retrieving it from your memory so you can't just look over it again and again. And so this is one of these kind of findings that free recall, so shutting the book and recalling it from memory, is somewhat harder, a little bit more frustrating than just reviewing the notes again and again. So it kind of fits this idea of being an aggressive tactic for learning. But at the same time, it's much, much more effective. And a lot of students, again, seem to be unaware of this. And so they spend all their time reading over their notes again and again. Then they go to the test and they get a bad mark on the test. And they're like, oh, well, it was those questions they asked. I, you know, I knew all of it, but I just couldn't answer it. And the problem is that they didn't realize they're not using the right studying technique. Got it. I like it. Well, Scott, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So my tip that I would give to people right now is that you can learn anything that you want that you set your mind to if you approach it the right way. And so the big idea, I've, I've, there's lots of specific tips. I talked about directness and retrieval. But the thing that I would try to advocate right now is have a learning project. And especially if you care about your career, I know this is a podcast about, you know, money savage. So people want to be earning more money and, and being more successful with their finances. And so I think if we're going to give people advice, it should be learn something that's going to matter to your career because a small investment in getting a skill that will take your career to the next level can be worth hundreds or even thousands of hours of just doing the same job over and over again at the job. So that would be my career difference making tip for everyone listening here is to pick some skill that they could learn that would make them better at their work. Like that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. And Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they get a copy of Ultra Learning? So you can find about me and the book at my website, which is scotthyoung.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-H-Y-O-U-N-G.com. I have uh, over 1,300 articles on my website that I've written over the last decade on learning, habits, goal setting, career, all sorts of topics that might interest your audience. And as well, uh, if you want to find the book Ultra Learning, it's going to be available Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere that you want to look for your books. But if you go to my website, there will also be links to the book directly from all of those retailers. So I highly recommend checking it out. Thank you. Outstanding. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to scotthyoung.com. Check out all the great work that he's been doing. You can get a copy of Ultra Learning there as well as all purveyors of fine books. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. 
Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!